Hey everyone, <laughs> welcome to the Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than drinking from a 40-ounce Spider-Man goblet you got for your birthday. <laughs> Joining me tonight is Matt. You're welcome. Tabitha. You're also welcome. And Lydia. I'm just glad I got to witness that. <laughs> and I'm Mitch. Um, so yeah, so uh, my birthday was yesterday, and yeah, that that came to me, and oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> gotta thank that bartender for filling it up for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we? Special shout out there. <laughs> that was cool of her, but present Mitch is not happy with her. Past Mitch was elated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, a uh, couple quick things I want to uh, bring up before we get started on our other stuff. Uh, first thing going on right now is Star Wars Celebration at McCormick Place. Um, obviously, we weren't able to make it there, but we are expecting some pretty big things to come out of the weekend, so we're going to keep our. Uh, eyes on things and, you know, uh, be looking out on our Facebook page and Twitter and all that stuff um, for, for any kind of information. Last I checked, there were still some Monday tickets available. Really? For like $75. Hmm. And I'm still like, I'm not going to, <laughs> but I'm off on Mondays and I'm so tempted. I'm so tempted. Also, um, if you're a fan of Harry Potter and trivia, uh, there's a Harry Potter trivia night at Fox Run on uh, April 16th. It's a Tuesday at 7.30. Um, they're expecting a big turnout, so they're not doing any kind of reservations. And um, you have to have like at least half of your party there to get, get set. Yeah, okay. which makes sense. Yep. Um, so, Tab, are we doing this? We should. We should. Win all the monies. It's our money. Uh, there are prizes. I think it's a cash prize. I, I don't really know, though. They could pay me in bowls of rice, and I would be happy. Rice is amazing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. But could be. Um, uh, and then also, uh, our very own Pickett has been cast in the Lincoln Community Theater's production of Shrek the Musical. Uh, he's playing Papa Bear slash Papa Ogre. Uh, the performances are July 25th through the 28th at the Johnston Center for the Performing Arts on the Lincoln campus, Lincoln College campus in Lincoln, Illinois. I've said Lincoln a lot lately. Like in the last 30 seconds. Yeah. Man, now I want to see like Shrek in a Lincoln hat. Can we make that happen? <laughs> I'm sure that that can happen somewhere. Hmm. So, um, I know that Pickett loves this musical, and so um, awesome that he's able to ha- be a part of it. Um, and yeah, who knows? May- might have to make a trek up to Lincoln. Make a make a make Shrek, a Shrek. <laughs> to Lincoln. If you shame belt me, you have to shame belt him too. We said it the I same wasn't thing. even going for the bell. Why are you guys so afraid of the bell all of a sudden? It's not all of a sudden. You have bell phobia? A little bit. Okay. PTSD I mean, to be fair, for shame belt. So have you seen how many shames this guy has? I mean, PT. Wait. B. Post traumatic shame bell disorder? PTSBD? It's too many letters. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to be able to say that. <laughs> So, anyway, um, we're going to start off tonight with something, I don't, I don't think we talked about this when the story first broke last year, because it was just kind of a weird situation, and I I was worried that we were going to get some of the facts wrong, but like, and and correct me if I'm wrong if we did talk about it, but I don't, I think we we did, I think I brought it up, but Mm -hmm. I think it was like a brief, like, Hey, this, hey, this happened. happened, and then we just kind of carried on because there wasn't a lot of news about it yet, yeah. is what I think happened. So, yeah, so, Tabitha, um, what's going on in Smallville? <laughs> <laughs> 
Chloe's made some mistakes, guys. <laughs> uh, Alice Mack, um, the actress, I mean, you said term loosely, who played Chloe on Smallville, um, ended up in a sex cult, guys. Oops! How'd <laughs> I get here? <laughs> Oops, I'm in a cult. Like. <clears throat> <laughs> Oops, I did it again? I hope not. Like, I hope this was her first foray into cultism, but whatever. Um, anyway, this has been a long, ongoing situation. News broke, I think, last year. And everybody was like, ah, oh, Chloe's in a sex cult. And everybody kind of, like, made a big joke about it. Turns out, not such a big joke. Um, the Nexium, who uses friggin'... It's, it's N-X-I-V-M. Yeah, that does not spell Nexium. It does in cult world, okay? <laughs> it's like Disney World, but it's cult world. Um, I don't want to go on one of those rides. <laughs> oh, no. Um, the group, based in Albany, evidently helped her when her uh, career was, you know, failing after Smallville, when she was, you know, trying to get back on her acting path and it wasn't working. Um cult leader Keith Rainier, um, the leader of the group, um, kind of treated it like a self-help kind of thing. Um, it wasn't. And she got deep enough into said cult that he was essentially asking for the trusted women in his group to reach out to other women that they knew to get them to become part of this special part of the cult. And the purpose of this group or this secret sect was to obtain women to sleep with the leader who would also be branded with his initials so that's totally normal and fine um on monday i mean has this guy not heard of tinder right he just you know if you if you if you can lead a cult why not like it seems it seems <laughs> charismatic, embarrassing. Right? charismatic enough to lead a cult but uh, why do you need charis- why do you need her you know, if you're charismatic enough to lead a cult, you don't need tender. Like, man be ballin'. Like, he'd he be alright. He he's doing okay. Um, on Monday, anyway, she uh, pled guilty to uh, some of the things she's been accused of. They haven't all rolled in yet. Uh, sex trafficking is not been approached yet, but it probably will be. Um, she can face up to 60 years in jail. Wow. Um, so we'll see what happens, but there's trouble in Smallville, y'all. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was reading some of the, the quotes that, you know, she, that were, you know, that she had said, you know, mm-hmm. saying things like, you know, she was lost and... Um, That's a different show. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Lydia. Um... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I can't find the other one that that really. Well, I mean, out. she's taking I mean, responsibility for what she's done, which I think is like you know, in the original when she was originally arrested, it was all denial, all mm-hmm. this isn't what's going on, all whatever. And then she ended up flight like fleeing to Mexico for a hot second, and they were like, "You gotta come back because you're involved <laughs> in a criminal trial." She was like, "Oh, okay." So she came back, and now she's, I think, realized she got in too deep, and there's jail time in her. <laughs> In her future. <sighs> to be fair, we are talking about sex cults. I know. I walked into that one. Um, it's fine. But see, but here's the thing, though. Like, And granted, maybe I don't have this frame of reference because I've never been in a cult. But I mean... <laughs> really? <laughs> believe it or not. Um, but, you know, she says things how she... Like, says things like how she was misguided or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get this far... 
and not realize, oh, hey, I shouldn't be doing this. Hey, this isn't the right thing. Now, like, I don't know. What? Maybe call the Manson family and ask them. I mean, like, the way I look at this, yeah, they've done bad things. But, like, there are way worse ways this could have gone than the way it did go. Like, I mean, there's been, obviously been some abuse. There's been some harm done. There's been possible, probable sex trafficking, which, you know, not okay. But <laughs> at the end of the day, at least it didn't kill anybody. Like... <laughs> Silver lining. They were probably on their way because that's that's generally how these things progress. But not that I'm you know an expert in cults, but I know a fair amount. So (laughs) never been in a cult. (laughs) Not that gullible. But I guess like, and and this is one of those instances where I really wish we had Pickett on tonight because he was well still is (laughs) (laughs) Lincoln will do that to you every time Um, but no but he is such a fan of Smallville Mm -hmm. and so it's like so when you know because Alice Mack she was like one of the stars of Smallville Mm -hmm. you know like does that tarnish rewatchings not I mean granted this is like the the least the, the lowest problem to have right. regarding the situation. But, I mean, it is... I don't think so. I mean, it's just... You have to separate the character from the actor. And, like, would Chloe of Smallville ended up in this mess? Maybe, because she kept getting into everything. Like, she was pretty gullible. She was the, you know, gung-ho reporter who was going to find everything out. She was the Peter Parker of Smallville. And she may have gotten involved in something like this, but, like, at the same time, like, you have to separate out, like, actor from the role they're playing so i don't think it would hurt the rewatch so not to play devil's advocate okay man i'm gonna i'm going to um but like as far as hurting rewatchings like i understand that that was a character i mean the act actress was playing the role i mean there are situations where there are band members that have done things have gotten themselves arrested have come back out of prison and have reformed bands and are going on tour. And obviously, like, as, as a band member, you know, regardless of what the band is, like, you are also that person. But how much of that is persona as a band and how much of it is personality? Is it is it kind of a similar situation? Because, I mean, every actor puts some of themselves into every role that they play. Right, but if you're going to say that, then, like, I should have stopped watching the NFL because I was really upset with Michael Vick when they let him back in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you just have to separate the thing from the person. And especially if Smallville was still on, yeah. and she was still in, like, a recurring role on something, it would obviously hurt the popularity or True. might enhance the popularity with the way things work now. But... <laughs> Well, it's an you, old show. Like, I've got to, like, go out of my way to go watch yeah. this in Smallville now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, I'm still, like, because this is not the uh, the last that we're going to hear oh, about no. this situation. No. Absolutely not. <clears throat> but I'm interested to see where it goes. So, um, so Shazam came out last week. Going to switch topics to something a little bit lighter. <laughs> um, so, they had... Um, a $53.5 million debut over the weekend. Um, so a sequel is now officially uh, happening. It's going to be written by um, Henry Gaiden, who uh, wrote the first one. And then also the, um, the the director and producer are also expected to return. Um, did anybody else get a chance to see uh, Shazam yet? No. <sighs> it's really good. Is it? It's really good. It's 
Um, you know, it's the lighthearted movie that DC needed, and I think we've talked about that a couple yeah. of times. Um, you know, it, I, I came out of that movie, came out of the theater, you know, with two thoughts, like, you know, like, yes, this is the direction that DC needs to go in, and also, I need to go back and rewatch and finish Chuck, because Zachary Levi is just, <laughs> you disagree. Uh, he's got one of those faces for me. <laughs> kind of punchable? It's a little punchable. I don't know, he kind of bothers me. It's why Top I didn't, five? It's... Maybe top ten. It's why I didn't watch Chuck. So that's. I mean, I want to see Shazam, but at the same time, I'm like, do I want to look at that like in on the big screen in like a large presentation, or do I want to look at that in a smaller presentation in the comfort of my own home? <laughs> 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 I can be as snarky as I want to be. I mean, you can be as snarky as you want to be. Oh anyway. yeah, but I try not to talk out loud in the theater because I'm not rude generally. See, I just want to hear him sing. Oh, yeah. He sings? He sings. Hmm. Yeah. He was a voice in Tangled. He was a fun writer. Oh, that's right. I always forget that. He's also in a musical called First Date. Oh, I was no. just about to do the exact same thing. <laughs> Stop that's it. all the time we have for this episode. We don't even spend as much time together, so we used to. This is weird. So. Alright, so. Um, let's go ahead and start gut reaction. Uh, we've got actually a couple of different Game of Thrones things to start things off. So the first thing, I'm kind of bummed because I was hoping to hear it, but it's not released yet. But, um, there is Columbia Records, uh, later this month, April 26th, they're releasing For the Throne. It's music inspired by Game of Thrones. The, uh, potential first single is going to be, uh, from The Weeknd, SZA, and Travis Scott. I don't Game of Thrones, but I'm interested in this. I like this idea. I'm, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and give this a thumbs up, Lydia. I'm just like getting into the book of Game of Thrones. So I'm just like getting under this bandwagon. None of those names mix well with Game of Thrones in my head, so I'm gonna say thumbs down. Definitely. <laughs> Literally, exactly what Lydia said, and I have read all the books and watched the TV show. So you're right. Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> like, none of that mixes well. No. Matt. I feel like this is a uh, mashup with like Pitbull and Aquaman and Toto, oh. so I'm definitely going thumbs down. <laughs> so. Do we have to be reminded of that? Right, I keep forgetting it exists Sorry. until someone brings it up. Usually me. <laughs> it's, it's his ringtone right now. Uh, <laughs> Tabitha, um, you had a interesting, an interesting theory uh, when we were uh, hanging out last night about uh, Winds of Winter. Okay, if the, if I'm right, I want it notated somewhere that I was right. Like I want Lydia well, time and date this. I mean, if you're right. Oh, like, I know. I mean, I talked to proof. my I talked to my like, friend about it. Like this is why I was like willing to be like, yeah, I'll talk about it on the show because I want proof, <laughs> like proof that I was right. <clears throat> I think Winds of Winter is done. I don't think it's probably fully done. Like, I don't think it's, like, packaged. I don't think it's, like, completely edited yet. Like, I don't think it's done, done, done. But I think George R. R. Martin is done with Winds of Winter. Because a while back, his editor and his publicist both made comments, basically, saying, to sum it up, that he's not doing shit until Winds of Winter is done. Like, you, you get to stay home. You write. You can't do anything else. He's been spotted at concerts. He was on Jimmy Fallon. He's been rolling around doing stuff that, like, he, he, shouldn't, be he doing. shouldn't be doing if Winds of Winter is not done. That aside, from a book publishing perspective, it makes a world of sense for 
them to release Winds of Winter immediately after the final season of Game of Thrones is over. Because mm-hmm. you're still on the hype train. Like, people are still, like, really worked up about it. People are real excited. People are still talking about Game of Thrones. They're expectantly waiting this new prequel series that HBO is doing. Like, they're ready. They're waiting. Whatever. Keep the momentum going. Surprise drop the Tuesday after the Sunday of the last episode, Game of, or Winds of Winter. I could be completely wrong, and I could be 45 before this book comes out. I could be dead before this book comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's what's going to happen. Like, I, I, I had this, like, whole moment with a friend of mine where we were talking about how we think Winds of Winter is dead, and then I was, or, done, dead, <laughs> done. <laughs> George R. R. Martin is almost dead. Winds of Winter is hopefully done. Um... <laughs> We were talking about how she agrees. She thinks that the book itself is probably completed because he has been out and about and doing things. And then I started thinking about it from like publishing house perspective. Like, how do you make your most money? You drop things when your hype is going on. I mean, it's not something you're going to drop now before. No. It's not something you're going to drop during. No. It's something you're going to ride the coattails Uh on. Yeah. Or it's going to come in, like, right before this prequel season, series, whatever, airs. But it doesn't really make sense for that because it's the ending of something else. And, like, they've, the last season went completely off book. Like, TV show book are no longer the same, like, at all. They've had their similarities for the last couple of seasons. But now they're completely off book because there was no book because Winds of Winter's not done. So... I get that the man's been under, like, crazy pressure. Like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to try to write the final book to something that, like, you people have been waiting on. Like, we're all impatient. We're all really mm-hmm. angry. We all really want this book. And then there's this TV show that's, like, a completely different entity that has a different... It has a life of its own. Yeah, really. like, it's a completely different thing. So... I get it, but I, I do. I think that's what's going to happen. Maybe that's just me really wanting it to, but... <laughs> so, um... I guess I'm assuming that you're giving yourself a thumbs up. So Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm giving myself a huge thumbs up. I'm giving the idea of this a thumbs down though, because my whole plan this whole time has been the second they give me a release date to start my reread. And if they surprise drop it, you can't reread. Right. I have to just jump into jump into Winds of Winter and then because if I don't, I'm gonna end up spoiled on the internet because of the internet. So mm-hmm. Matt. I mean it makes it makes a ton of sense. Um, I don't know that, like, a surprise drop makes, I think, makes, I don't think that makes the most sense to me. I think maybe announcing a release date, like, close to the end of the season, mm-hmm. like, maybe the Tuesday after or the week, you know, the week after the season ends, the series ends, they announce, oh, in a month, you mm-hmm. know, we have the release date for this. So I think that almost might be a little bit more, not, realistic but like plausible plausible um because then you've got everybody on that hype train everybody's gonna pre-order it then you got those sales because everybody's now like we're still only a month out you know close enough so but in general i think the idea yeah absolutely i'm going thumbs up on the idea yeah i i think i think you're definitely onto something tabitha and you know maybe maybe this is how we get noticed so thumbs up Lydia. (laughs) lydia I'm also giving your idea a thumbs up because that's pretty darn good theory. 
guys, I just really want my book. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like I, I notated it in my. Oh, nice! The official record are. keeper of the show, Lydia, has notated it. <laughs> it's my only real job on the show. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm not here for any other reason. <laughs> it's an important job, though. It is because nobody else wants to count shames. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like. Are you going to shame somebody? Is this happening? Are we going? Plus, I can't be trusted to count shames. No, No, because you would give yourself way too few. So, um, this was something that I saw after I told you guys the order of gut reaction. So, um, this is kind of a new thing for you guys. But, um, Spoiled.io, which has been around for 20, since 2016, um, will anonymously text spoilers uh, for Game of Thrones, two people for 99 cents a text message. So, if you have that... What yeah. a dick move! <laughs> <laughs> so, if you have that ex who's been really excited for Game of Thrones oh. when they work Sunday nights, <laughs> gets me a bucket episode and ruin them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> That's the worst, best idea I've ever heard. The, the users of the service get a link... <laughs> That they can view the response from their targets while just other people on the internet um, can watch it all happen as well. So, as funny as that is, I have to give this a thumbs down because I am so anti-spoiler. That is just such a dick move. Lydia. So my initial thought was, yes, that is a dick move. Why would you do that to somebody? But then I thought of all the people that, like you just absolutely hate in life. And if you knew you could do something like this to them and they did not know it was you, that would be the most amazing kind of revenge ever. (laughs) And I am just sadistic enough to do something like that. So I'm giving it a thumbs up. I'm also giving this a thumbs up because while I also hate spoilers, my inner Slytherin loves this. (laughs) I'm literally like mentally making a list of all the people who have recently frustrated me. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Oh my god, I'm going to be so broke. <laughs> Worth it? Worth it. Thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm I'm going to go middle road here because I do love the idea of spoiling it for people that you despise, but I hate spoilers, so I'm going to go thumbs sideways. So, uh, Matt, we've got some info on Cowboy Bebop. We do indeed. Um, Netflix dropped kind of a bomb about this um, unexpectedly. Um, they announced that uh, Harold and Kumar star John Cho is going to be playing the lead, um, the bounty hunter known as Spike, um, for the Cowboy Bebop Netflix series. Uh, they also announced that Mustafa Shakir from Luke Cage is playing Jet Black, who is Spike's partner and captain. Um, the Fallen Kingdom star Daniela Pineda will play Faye Valentine, who is a bounty hunter with Cryofreeze Amnesia, who forms a tenuous partnership with Spike and Jet Black. Um, they are already saying, surprise, surprise, the way Netflix works, that this is going to be streaming by the end of the year, which only, honestly anymore doesn't surprise me that network Netflix works that fast, that like this is probably mostly filmed, and now they're just like, hey, by the way, these are the people playing things. Um, I have not watched Cowboy Bebop, but... My favorite living author, Victoria Schwab, absolutely adores this series. Um, so, with John Cho attached, who I think is awesome, um, 
and her infatuation with this series, I'm going to have to watch it before this comes out, so I'm going thumbs up. Um, yeah, I know nothing about Cowboy Bebop, but, I mean, you can't really go wrong with John Cho, so thumbs up for show, Lydia. I hate you sometimes. <laughs> uh, I know very little about Cowboy Bebop, but um, John Cho, I think, will be great for that part. I don't know about any of the other ones, but, yeah, having him attached is definitely a good thing, so thumbs up. Uh, my frame of reference for Cowboy Bebop is also Victoria Schwab. So she's excited. I'm excited. Thumbs up. <laughs> um, Tabitha, we've got some Adam's Family. We do. We have a trailer for the... <laughs> you don't even get one. That was just you. <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> Anyway, while Lydia records her own shame, um, the Adams Family trailer has dropped. Um, MGM has released it, and the film is actually going to be showing now the early days of the Adams Family, them coming to the house, Morticia and Gomez's early relationship, whatever. Um, the cat. I keep. I always keep forgetting until I see something about this, like the amazing casting that this movie has, like. Hurley Theron, uh, uh, Oscar Isaac, Chloe's Grace Moretz, Finn Wolfert. Like, the, the, really? the casting of this is incredible. Wow. I was excited already. Now I'm giving this a very enthusiastic thumbs up. Matt. I'm not going to watch the trailer, and I did not realize the names attached to this project, but I grew up on Nick at Night, so I grew up watching The Monsters and Adam's Family and all of those shows. So I love this idea. Um, as much as I'm usually against reboots, I think this is mm-hmm. going to be fun. I think this is going to be cool. And I don't think this is going to tarnish the original, so I'm going thumbs up. Um, I also missed out on watching the trailer. I meant to, but eh, whatever. Um, yeah, the the cast sounds amazing. Um, Oscar Isaac, phenomenal. Uh, my only thing, I'm giving this a thumb sideways because I didn't realize. I don't know that I want the story of like... The beginning days of the Adams family and like how they moved in the house and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. part of the Adams family charm is that, like, you don't know exactly. Yeah. Um, that said, like, that's not going to be any reason for me to not see it. I'm right. still excited for it, but yeah. Lydia. I also did not see the trailer, but I've seen like pictures mm-hmm. and I've seen the castle that you're talking about and all that made me excited for it. So I am going to give it a thumbs up. I don't know why I said it like that, but you know, whatever. (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, So, Prince Harry was talking um, to mental health experts at a West London YMCA and um, called for addictive games, um, uh, explicitly Fortnite, to be banned because they're an addiction to keep you in front of uh, a computer for as long as possible. I kind of get where he's coming from. Um, I'm going to give this a thumbs down. Um... Let's be honest, that's not ever going to happen. Mm-mm. That's just silly. And also, I feel like there are plenty of other... You know, like, at what point, you know, do you classify a game as addictive? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, Fortnite, there are a ton of people playing it. There are a ton of people still playing Candy Crush. Are you going to, you know, ban that as well? Mm-hmm. Lydia? I always have an issue with the whole stigma about video games and, oh, they're addictive and they cause violence and this and that and something else. <sighs> Like you said, it's not going to happen. They're not going to be able to ban something like that. And even if they could or they tried to, there's so many other games and other routes and 
other things that you can be addicted to that are so much worse than this. Like, seriously, you're worried about somebody being addicted to a video game. They could be addicted to meth. Like, come on. Why not both? Tabitha. <laughs> Gotta stay up and play those video games somehow. <laughs> um, I'm going to stick up for my boy Harry here for a second. Because the context of where this came from is because... Britain is working on this whole, like, get up, get active program because they're running into USA problems where their children are becoming obese mm. and they're not, they're not going outside. They're not anything. And Harry, his whole life has been very, a very active kid. He was in the armed forces. Like, he's just, that's who he is as a person. He's going to be a new dad. Like, I think he was coming from a perspective of, our kids are getting fat. Our teeth already suck. Can we maybe get the f- off the couch? Like, I get it. So thumbs sideways for the way this is being portrayed, but thumbs up for Harry for saying it just the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, given that, that information and also like as a parent, I do understand that mindset where you do, you want, you don't want your children to be sitting in front of the TV all day playing video games. You want them to be out and about and doing things. But again, like this is not the first video game to like have this idea thrown at it. It's not going to be the last. It's not the the last. It's not. It's not even the first media mm-hmm. to have this idea thrown at it. Um, so as much as I do understand kind of where he's coming from. I'm just going to have to go thumbs down just because this is not an issue that is going to be solved overnight or by banning one particular video game. Right. Um, Matt, we're going to talk about Walking Dead. Everything's fine. We almost had one on set. (laughs) That chair is dangerous, I'm telling you. Thanks, Lydia. Gonna get you like a, I'm just gonna like get like a rope and tie myself to you. Oh, like, you're on the wheelie chair. Like a yeah. leash? <laughs> you're on the wheelie chair. Maybe I'll attach to you. You're across, <laughs> the, across the table. table. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see my laptop like falling over. <laughs> Bad things happening. Glad you guys are willing to protect me. It feels Absolutely. nice. Hey, I caught you. You did. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, so, Walking Dead. Uh, I'm not even apologizing for this pun. It will not die. Um, (laughs) They have announced a third unnamed series uh, in the Walking Dead universe. Uh, It will star two two young female protagonists that will focus, quote-unquote, on the generation, the first generation, to come of age in the apocalypse as we know it. Obviously, heroes, villains. Um, In the end, they will be changed forever, blah, 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 blah. Um, AMC's Chief Content Officer Scott M. Gimble, Gimple um, and The Walking Dead's writer and producer Matt Negret co-produced the new show. Negret will also sh- serve as showrunner. Um, they already have production set to begin in Virginia this summer with a 10-episode season set to premiere in 2020. Ratings continue to fall for Walking Dead. Um... I don't have any idea what's going on with Fear the Walking Dead because I watched like two episodes and I'm like, this is boring. I'm done. Um, we don't need another, like, even if we're not over zombies in popular culture, popular culture seems to be over the Walking Dead. So I'm going to go thumbs down with a new series. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and what, back in September, they announced plans for. Ten more years of, of Walking mm-hmm. Dead. 
Um, so I couldn't shouldn't be surprised. But you're right. I mean, with with ratings for the flagship show continuing to go down. That said, I mean, you know, let's look at you know another show like another long running show that you know like look at Law and Order. I mean, mm-hmm. the original show is long gone off the air. Still, you know the. Special Victims Unit is still a thing. Mm-hmm. True. So, you know, so I, I'm willing to give this a thumb sideways. I mean, maybe they can do something different with this one. So, I don't know. Lydia. Well, you have that plus, didn't they say something about, like, two or three movies that they're yeah, doing Yeah, well, there's, there's a trilogy of movies with Rick that are yeah. coming, too. So, like, you already have that kind of side mm-hmm. thing with Walking Dead. I'm not sure there's a whole lot they can do as far as continuing any kind of storyline past where you're at now. Like, mm. you can't explain, oh, well, they grew up in this now. This is how it is. Like, you can't do anything with that. They're zombies. <laughs> People are going to die. People are trying to steal stuff. It's going to be the same thing. Yeah. So, thumbs down. Definitely. I just don't know why we need another show about the same thing. With different people? With different people <laughs> doing the same thing as the people on the other show are doing. That feels like Kicking like a dead horse, pun not intended. Um, I've been over The Walking Dead since The Walking Dead started, so thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they Marvel announced that um, in July uh, Loki is going to get a new um, a new comic, uh, which is interesting because if you, you know spoilers if you're reading uh, or if you haven't read the first issue of the War of the Realms yet, but um, Loki kind of dies in that first issue. Uh, I want to give this a thumbs up because I love Loki. Um, you know, I read his last, you know, the, the last book that starred him or whatever. Big fan of that. But it's kind of one of those things. I wish they had waited a little bit longer to announce the standalone series uh, because it's like, well, obviously he's not really dead then. <laughs> so, um, so thumbs sideways for me. Lydia. I mean, I like Loki pretty much in any form. So... I think it's cool that it's getting more. Plus, I understand your concern with like announcing it so soon, but how many like reboots and reissues had mm-hmm. all the different superheroes and villains had? Like, it's not a surprise that he's you, not dead. You're not wrong. <laughs> so, where are you going with it? Thumbs up. Okay, Taylor. I agree with Lydia. Like you, like I like Loki pretty much across the board, like cinematic universe, comics, anything. But I get it, like. Marvel, DC, everybody keeps rebooting these characters. I mean, how many times has Wolverine died, guys? Like, (laughs) the limit does not exist. So this isn't surprising. This isn't new. Bad timing on their part. But he was coming back anyway. Let's get real. So thumbs up. Matt, are are there any superheroes or villains that stay dead in the comics? No. No. So it's not a surprise. Yeah, the timing, probably not great. Because, I mean... You'd like to think in some cases that it's going to be not permanent, but semi-permanent. Like there's going to be some repercussions based on the death of a character. I mean, I know that like definitely for a fact, like reading comics, like, you know, when Wolverine died this last time, like, yeah, like I want to see how this changes things. And you knew, you knew he was coming back at some point, mm-hmm. but at least leave that shadow of doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know. On the series, obviously, Loki is probably one of the most popular and most enigmatic characters. Um, so I'm going to give it a thumbs up on that idea. But, you know, timing could have been better. Yeah. Um, especially because, yeah, like, you know, 
just because you both brought up Wolverine. I mean, how long did he stay dead this last time? It was it was actually it was, a significant amount. Yeah, of time. It was a while, a year. yeah. Yeah, I but mean, you knew he was coming back because he just comes back. That's right. just what happens. <laughs> That's what he does. But you know, but with this, I mean, it's not even six months. Yeah, yeah, you know. So whatever. Um, Matt, we're gonna end gut reaction uh, with this story about um, what this anonymous millionaire wants to do. So. All I can think when I read this story was The Most Dangerous Game, which one of my favorite short stories ever. Um, basically, there is a network called Hush Hush uh, in which the world's leading luxury is is the le- world's leading luxury shopping marketplace. Um, they have received a request from an anonymous multimillionaire uh, who is looking to for a game maker who can help organize a three-day event, which will be an IRL Battle Royale. There will be no death. Instead, players will be equipped with airsoft guns and touch-sensitive body armor. The winner gets 100,000 pounds. And the plan is for this millionaire to acquire a private island, which will be the setting for this real-life Battle Royale. Competition will run for three days, 12 hours of competition each day. During the night, players will be able to camp for the night. All camping gear and food will be provided. Um, and this prospective game maker can apply through the website and pays £1,500 daily with an expected six-week duration. The contract is set to pay out £45,000. You know, when I initially saw the idea, I'm like, who is even going to sign up for this if you're actually in a battle royale where, you know, you, you die? But, you know, airsoft guns, touch-sensitive body armor on a private island... I mean, this is going to attract attention, media and otherwise, if and when this happens. I mean, Battle Royale is the new thing when it comes to video games. So, I still think I'm going to go thumb sideways on the idea, just because I still think it's kind of sketchy. I mean, it's kind of cool, kind of clever, but still kind of sketchy. Um, I know that I would 100% quote-unquote die very early um, on in this Absolutely. game. Because um, let's be honest, I mean, my aim is awful. But uh, this sounds like a lot of fun, and I feel like if the prize money is paid out in pounds, I have a feeling that this is going to be nowhere near me, so I'm not going to travel to do it. <laughs> but if they were to randomly decide to do it here in Springfield, Illinois, I would totally sign up to do this. Thumbs up. Lydia. So does that mean I can't move to the UK so I can be around for this then? <laughs> Because this sounds like a blast. I mean, you do you. <laughs> I mean, like, laser tag outside was a blast. I can't imagine something on this scale. Like, that. it, just, it sounds amazing. <laughs> and the gamer in me is thrilled, and I want to be a part of this now. So, thumbs up. <laughs> the only thing I keep thinking about with this is, like, where's Knickknack from Dr. No when you need him? Like... Like, this is like a James Bond. Like, this guy has a James Bond finish. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, James Bond finish. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh um, we got a Not Dr. No. I just, I un-James Bonded myself. It was, uh, <clears throat> oh God. I'm not messing this up again because I got yelled at last time I messed something up. Man with the golden gun. That one. Knickknack. Okay, you can carry on now. <laughs> Who yelled at you? You people when I messed up 
What's his name? With what's his name? Whose names I can't remember. Steve Gutenberg and Michael Keaton. Yeah, you. Put I don't think we, so I, I don't think we yelled at you. Michael, you put, Michael you Gutenberg on Instagram though. You I mean. social media shamed me, so I wanted to fix my James Bond reference before you had time to figure that out. <laughs> Man with the golden gun, not Doctor No. But I didn't like. Don't ask. I didn't. Me. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't name you though. You didn't have to. I was just stating a fact that Steve Gutenberg is not Michael Keaton. And the man with the golden gun is not Dr. No. I was also just stating a fact. I was correcting myself. So, we got a chance. Journalistic integrity, Mitch. Let me have some. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we got a chance to read a couple of things from Lion Forge um, this week. Um, both of these books came out yesterday. Uh, the first one is The Underfoot Volume 1, uh, The Mighty Deep, and it's basically, it's about hamsters who are, which is awesome, right there, <laughs> um, who are uh, part of this uh, group that's called the Hamster Aquatic Mercenaries, or HAM, also a <laughs> um, to help keep, you know, their, uh, their group or whatever alive and whatnot. Um I know, I know Matt and Tabitha got farther into it than Lydia and I did. Uh, I know I only got a little bit past the first chapter, but uh, I'm really liking this. And it's, I guess, it's kind of post-apocalyptic a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's uh, it kind of focuses. One of the the main characters is like this little hamster <laughs> named Ruby, and Ruby is awesome because you know she's kind of like one of those those characters that's like you know is wanting to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I can do that. And that's awesome. Um, what do you guys think of this? I'm loving this. Like, it's, like, at first I was like, I don't really, I wasn't sold on, like, the whole concept. But then I started reading it. And the way they've introduced the characters with these little, like, employee cards, like, <laughs> talking about, like, what their specialties are and stuff, like, in between chapters is phenomenal. Like, I love the setup of this. And I do, I really like Ruby. But it's, it's, it is a post-apocalyptic story. I mean, obviously, the humans are gone for what they, or what these creatures know. But it's also, like, like about cooperation with people you are new and you don't mm-hmm. understand. And I think that's a really good lesson. But this is also hella violent it is. like it is way more bloody than i expected a story about hamsters to be <laughs> i was like oh those are limbs okay that's fine <laughs> you're you're right when uh yeah when i got to that first battle scene or whatever i was like huh i didn't really expect that yeah. but no, was, i was cool with it it's grim <laughs> yeah like so. my my initial thought was like um Chippendale Rescue Rangers type. Oh, mm-hmm. A little bit, like, yeah. Way darker. Chippendale. Sorry. Yes. But <laughs> I, I love this, and I cannot wait to read more of it, because it, it's adorable, and it's brutal, and it's all the things that I love. Yeah, when I first started this, I definitely got the, this is a Saturday morning cartoon vibe. Like, I felt like that's where this was going. And then it got dark, and I was like... This is not a Saturday morning cartoon, <laughs> um, but it's 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 fun. It's interesting, and I do I like the idea of the lesson of you know working with people that you're not familiar with. Um, and I'm just gonna say that there is this is not a spoiler, but there is a little nugget that you get uh, probably about three quarters of the way through this 
um, in regards to the names of these characters, which I absolutely adored. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. I love it. So, yeah. So, like I said, uh, the Underfoot Volume 1 is on sale now, so definitely check that out. Um, it's the most fun you'll have reading about hamsters. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, the uh, the other book from Lion Forge that we got a chance to read it's actually part of their uh, magnetic collection. It's the Ballad of Yaya, Volume One. Uh, this takes place in um, 1937, and it's the story of this girl named Yaya who really wants to go to this audition. And there's a war brewing. And I also enjoyed this. I really enjoyed the art on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like the. Uh, the talking pigeon. Uh, <laughs> Pipo? Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was fun. <laughs> um, uh, Matt, what did you think about that? Uh, um, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, and I knew that this was volume one, but this was probably the most unexpected cliffhanger that I uh-huh. could have gotten from mm-hmm. this. Like, I'm reading this, reading this, reading and I'm like, okay, this is cool. All right, we're going, we're going. Like, no, 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 this is not, no, you can't leave me here. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hooked. Like, I want to know where this goes from, from the end of volume one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I definitely agree. Art style was awesome. Definitely reminiscent of, um, of anime, mm-hmm. which is that. very much, you know, the characters, um, that are part of this. So I really enjoyed that. Um, going back to the, uh, the cliffhanger just for a quick second before I turn to you guys, uh, yeah, I was I was kind of in a similar boat. Like I know that like you had a couple of issues uh, mm-hmm. downloading it. So when I was looking at my copy, like I went to the end just to make sure that I wasn't having the same issues that you mm-hmm. were. So like I didn't spoil myself, but I knew that it was a shorter read. Mm-hmm. So when I get to about page ninety or you know or so, I'm like I know that I'm coming towards uh, the end. <laughs> but still, like even though I knew that oh this is probably not going to tie everything up, <laughs> I still was like, but. Do, do I have volume two yet? <laughs> no, no, no. I can't. I can't scroll anymore. But uh, Lydia, what do you think? See, I didn't realize it was a volume one when I first started reading it, and then I got to that cliffhanger. I was like, oh, oh, there's more. That's not okay. <laughs> but I love this. Like you said, it's very reminiscent of like an anime, especially the way it flowed with the story and the characters. I love the fact that people pretty much narrates the thing. <laughs> Um, and there's so much detail in the background of every one of these pages that doesn't necessarily have to do with the overall plot, but it's just some stuff that pulls you in and kind of makes it more realistic. Like when she sprawled out on the bed and the teddy bear next to her is also sprawled mm-hmm. out on the bed, just mm-hmm. like stuff like that. So I cannot wait to read more of this. What do you think, Deborah? I really like, I mean, there are two children. Yaya is involved, but then there's a little street urchin boy who's, mm-hmm. you know, her kind of her counterpart and things. And, like, the dichotomy between the two characters, mm-hmm. like, was incredible. Like, you were, like, looking at her, like, opulent lifestyle and, like, her kind mansion she lives Prince in. Prince and the Pauper kind of situation. Yeah, and then, like, you look at him and his little hovel and he's dirty and he smells bad and then they end up together on this, you know, obviously this is going to continue. They're going to be some kind of adventure. Um I I loved this. I loved the art, and but yeah, I got to the end, and I'm like, but 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 but, 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 but where's the next? Like, <laughs> I like look through my email. I'm like, did we get issue two? <laughs> no, that's upsetting. <laughs> what happens? But it checked on my boxes. It's like you know, 
historical fiction. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of violence. There's a little bit of war. There's a little bit of heartwarming happiness. So I'm into this. I really liked it. So, so yeah. So same thing uh, about Ballad of Yaya Volume One is out now. Um, Matt, we're gonna stick with you or stick with comics a little bit, and we've got a different kind of Green Lantern comic coming. So, um, new. Green Lantern story. Um, it's going to be part of Gerard Way's revived Young Animal Print Animal Imprint for DC. Um, but I think the really cool part about this is that the writer for this is going to be N.K. Jemison, um, who has won three Hugo's back to back, which is unprecedented. Um, so the idea of her and I have I have two of her three two of the three books in that trilogy that I have not read yet, but. Um, the idea of a writer of that caliber being attached to a Green Lantern story, um, I think is going to be really awesome. Um, but, um, it is going to be, uh, Green Lantern's, Green Lantern Corps' Sojourner Joe Mullion, who is the sole protector of City Enduring, a metropolis of 20 billion people. It's a job for only one Green Lantern because the city itself sees no murder and very little violent crime until now. The Far Sector is set to launch in, le- in late 2019, um, but then N.K. Jemison took to Twitter just to kind of tease it um, that she's going to be working on this and it's going to be coming out um, as helping kind of relaunch uh, this young animal imprint this fall. So, yes. <clears throat> yeah, um, I've have I haven't read anything from a young animal, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I love me some Green Lantern, and this sounds like an awesome story, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down for this. Um, switching over a little bit, uh, so Kevin Feige uh, said that X-Men probably aren't going to actually show up in the MCU for, for a long time. Uh, they're not in the five-year plan that Marvel has been working on, hmm. so he's suggesting that it's going to be at least that long before we do see any kind of X-Men in the MCU. Okay. Um, I don't know. Like, yes, I can see that. I understand where he's coming from. At the same time, though, like, I don't trust anything right now. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, I would not be a bit surprised if it does take five years to find, to see an MCU X-Men. At the same time, I would not be surprised to see Professor X show up in one of the, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, credit scene yeah. somewhere. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, though. If, if you think about it, because... We still haven't had Dark Phoenix, uh-huh. so it would be confusing for fans because chances are that we're going to get different characters or yeah. different actors yeah. cast of these mm-hmm. X Men. So maybe not, but still, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happening, or at least the beginning. Of it, right? You know. Um, speaking of the MCU, Matt, um, what's going on with the Endgame tickets? Endgame tickets? Well, in a lot of places, sold out. Uh, there were a lot of issues with apps and websites failing when the pre-release tickets went out. Um, but a number of those tickets have showed up on eBay for extravagant amounts of money. Um, but two days ago, this was the 9th? Yes, the 9th. A pair of tickets for an afternoon showing on the 28th in New Jersey. No, it's the 26th, right? Mm-hmm. Thursday? Yes. Sorry. Um, in New Jersey, have sold for fifteen thousand dollars. What the heck? Exactly. There are a whole bunch of listings on eBay for anywhere between twenty five hundred dollars, five thousand dollars. There was one that was out there for like 
just shy of $10,000, but the seller pulled the auction uh, before it actually finished. But these two tickets for $15,000 were bought via the, uh, like the buy it now feature. So they're done, gone, sold. Who has that kind of money to buy a movie ticket? Right? Now, most of the other tickets that are up there, like between the $2,500 and $5,000 ranges, and mostly in New York, um, don't have any bids. Like, people who put them up there not getting a whole lot of traction. Um, but just the fact that this one set went for $15,000? I mean, I know that, like, Fandango has said that it's officially the top-selling pre-sale for them ever, beating out The Force Awakens uh, in 2015. But say, just go, go go the next day. Right. Like, or... But, but why? I get wanting to do whatever possible to get... You know, to get that show, to get their opening night so that you're not spoiled or anything like mm-hmm. that. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I would never pay that much. Just doing a real quick dirty search on e- eBay. I don't find anything local, but I did see a couple of, uh, a couple in Chicago, uh, one selling for $100. Um, there's four uh, opening night tickets that are selling for $599. So, like, for the pack of four. Right. Um, there was one really big one that I saw. Hold on a second. Okay. Eight tickets um, for in-game in IMAX in uh, in Woodbridge. The eight packs going for $1,690. Are there bids on that? Or is that... Um, well, it says, or best offer. Okay. I don't eBay that much, so I don't really know what I'm doing here. Mitch <laughs> <laughs> accidentally spins. <laughs> I accidentally just bought eight tickets, guys. <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> See, and I understand, like, with the systems crashing and everything, that not everyone that got one that, that not everyone that wanted to get a ticket got a ticket, but is that extreme amount of money is... Is that totally necessary? No. Like, no. No. At that point, you're spending money just to spend money. Yeah. You're, you know? You're throwing it away for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, we've got just a couple other stories I want to talk about. We're going to try to fit them in. Um, Tabitha, let's talk about Allison Osland. Oh, no. I hope they. That's not what they're calling this, thank God. But Netflix is adapting an Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz crossover film called Dorothy and Alice. Um, the two titular characters came team up for a fantasy adventure, obviously. Um, Dorothy has been sent to a all-girls boarding school um, after having these terrible nightmares. Anna and Uncle Henry have evidently shipped her off, and she runs into Alice, um, and they go on some adventure. So basically, this is just one long acid trip. Um <laughs> <laughs> There, there's no actual names other than the writer tied to the script or the project, so we have no casting, we have not a whole lot of detail. Um, from what I can tell, the person who has been hired to write it, Anna Klassen, hasn't worked on a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of hype behind this yet, but it's Netflix, so I'm interested, I'm intrigued, but I really just want them to start leaving things alone. Like, in this day and age... The creative minds that are floating around Hollywood, and this is what we keep coming up with, is just either things that have already been done, or mashups of things that have already been done, or prequels, or sequels to things that have already been done, or redoing classics. Like, I'm over it. I would kill somebody for a fresh idea right now. Like, 
I this might be more intriguing even with Netflix attached if we didn't know that Sean McGuire's uh, novella series uh, School for Wayward Children was going to be a series mm-hmm. which is basically the same thing. The same mm-hmm. thing. It's like these children that have gone through these magical doors and have come back and are adjusting to quote unquote real life in our world. Mm-hmm. And then either their backstories or their future adventures or misadventures, what have you, um, in and around this school. Like if that wasn't a thing, like if I knew that that wasn't going to be a thing, I'd be more on board with this from Netflix. Yeah. I'm still interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's about just all where I'm at right now. Yeah. I, It'll either increase or decrease when we get a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, at the same time, I've been inter- interested in plenty of other things on Netflix, and I still get to watch them. Um, looking at you, Umbrella Academy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you need to do that. I know, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I mean, so I don't know. It could be cool. But um, speaking of new shows, Matt, uh, we've got a new Monster Inc. coming. We do, and this is just like one in a slew of news actually that's dropped this afternoon about Disney Plus. Um, but they continue to tease original content that's really just going to pull in subscribers really. Um, but they are going to be doing a Monsters Inc. sequel series essentially. Um, it's going to be called Monsters at Work. It is going to take place six months after the end of the original movie with the plant now harvesting laughter instead of screams. Um, so kind of what People had always clamored for when they asked for a sequel and we got Monsters University, you know, we're going to get that now in a TV series on Disney+. Plus. The cool part about this, John Ratz, John uh, John Goodman and Billy Crystal are reprising their roles as Sully and Mike. We're also getting John Ratzenberger, Jennifer Tilly, and Bob Peterson to come back and voice their characters. But we're also getting um, Kelly Marie Tran, Henry Winkler... Uh, and Aisha Tyler, amongst mm-hmm. others, to voice new characters. Nice. Mm-hmm. So Aisha Tyler is awesome. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I have never seen Monsters, Inc. I don't know if I've shared that with you people. That's a shame. You shouldn't be surprised, though. No. I'm not shocked or surprised. I'm just upset. <laughs> <laughs> not mad, just disappointed. <laughs> yeah, in my life. We, we keep talking about just, like, kicking him out. Can I know. I'm just. I just need Mitch to take like a week off work and watch movies. I'll make you a. I'll make you a list. It'll be a checklist. You can leave a rating at the end. We can live stream it on our Twitter. It'll be a thing. It'll be great. <laughs> Man, just don't fall asleep like that one guy. Right. You know, if we can get if we can get somebody to sponsor this, i.e., get somebody to like pay my bills for the week that I won't be working, I'm totally in. I'll see what I can do. Mm. All right. <laughs> we all pooled our resources. <laughs> I feel like it would be worth it. So, um, the last story that we're going to talk about, and we try not to talk about politics, but sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Utah, our uh, Republican senator Mike Lee out of Utah, uh, had a uh, interesting um, speech or whatever on the Green New Deal, and he said that. It's aimed to eliminate air travel, mm-hmm. which there's not really any kind of indication that that's actually what the Green New Deal is about, but okay. Uh, but then he also used a photo of Luke Skywalker riding a Tauntaun <laughs> because that's how we would get around without air travel. 
I mean, that's how I want to travel. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to travel on a tauntaun. They smell just as bad inside as they do outside, <laughs> if I remember correctly from the movie. Yeah, he said, in a future without air travel, how are we supposed to get around the vast expanses of, say, Alaska? And then he said, I'll tell you how, tauntauns. I mean, they're not real, though. He, he does know that they're not real, right? No one's told him that part. But they are carbon neutral, again, quoting him. They're, they're carbon neutral, but according to a report a long time ago and issued far, far away, they may even be fully recyclable. Oh! oh. So, that's <laughs> this This caught the attention of Mark Hamill. Of course. And so, <laughs> so he he sent out a couple of tweets. Um, first off, the uh, the article that I got this from, which it's from Fortune and uh, Brian Rafferty is the author of this article. Uh, I applaud him because he says, quote, Hamill began taunting <laughs> the senator. Yay! Yes! <laughs> but, um, so he tweeted out, he said, quote, I'm using an oversized photo of at send Mike Lee as a prop to push my hashtag MAGA, and then hashtag morons always gaslight Americans. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love Mark Hamill. <laughs> and then, in a different tweet, he also used the hashtag, hashtag Congress smells bad on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> God, he's not wrong, though. That's amazing. Oh. Give this man a raise. Give Mark Hamill everything he ever wanted. <laughs> like, Mark Hamill on Twitter is the reason why celebrities should have Twitter. Like, there's definitely plenty of reasons why celebrities should not have Twitter. Mark Hamill is the reason they should have Twitter. <laughs> but see, here's what I don't get. And again, I mean, like, this this is still falls on, on Senator Lee. Like, okay, like... Are you being serious? Like, yeah. First off, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're you're just trying to be, you know... Drum up some attention. Exactly. But it's like, he had to have expected this, you know? Because Mark Hamill is very outspoken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, he's been outspoken against this whole presidency kind of from day one. Yeah. Um, you know, so, like, it's not like this is, like, somebody that just nobody has heard of. You know? Right. It's not like this is, you know... Somebody on their first season of SNL or something like that. You right. know, like, this is... <laughs> Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill! <laughs> so, like, he had to have known that some retaliation was coming. Mm-hmm. But here we are. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that is all the time that we have for this episode of The Geek Awakens. Uh, we'll be back next week, but in the meantime, we'll be posting news on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram throughout the week. So be sure to follow us there. Um, while you're there... Give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope we'll be back next week. Everybody say bye. Bye. Bye.